for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Indie Performance is an online nutrition coaching platform that specializes in helping strength athletes optimize their training, making weight classes, or just achieve their aesthetic goals without the steamed chicken and broccoli lifestyle. Head over to IndiePerformance.com. That's I-N-D-I performance.com to find out more. All right, it is six-pack Lapidat, and today we got my man's Rondell Hunt. Rondell, it has been, the, the I remember the first time I met you was Calgary 2018, you were junior 105, and yeah. I remember being fucking blown away by your performance. You came from Trinidad and Tobago, which is wasn't and is still not exactly a hotbed for powerlifting, yeah. and I remember being, I remember myself and Tom Keene was my co-commentator for that session. And we were like, holy shit, this guy is a star in the making. Um, you had totaled in the battle of the 105s. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is how I remember it. The battle of the 105s in 2018 in Calgary in the open was fierce. You had... Um, Canadian Bryce, Bryce Lewis from US who won world's you know, uh, I mean, USAPL, Raw Nats, Worlds, whatever, legend in the game. You had Christoph Verzbecki, who had won 93s, 105s in all of these titles. Um, you know, I mean, he's one of the all-time greats in powerlifting. And you had, like, it was just a stacked field in 2018. Garrett Blevins, who had broken the open world record as well. And so it was absolutely stacked in a 105 open. Yeah. You out-total everybody as a junior. I did. I think it was by about like seven kilos or so. Which is insane. It was literally the 105s in the open was one of the most stacked and heavily anticipated classes of that world championships from US to Canada to Europe to everywhere. And yeah. you freaking out totaled everybody. And it was literally like, holy shit, who is this guy who just showed up everybody in the open and you and it was a stacked open. And uh, we were all super high on you. Yeah, I got, I got you on the podcast. I was like, I got to get my man on the podcast. What the shit is going on right now? Um, so let, let's just quickly talk about bring everybody back up to just, if they don't know who you are and what happened then and what happened when you went back to Trinidad and Tobago, and then we'll catch up to what has been going on since. So when yeah. you, when this happened, tell me about Calgary. Yeah, so coming into Calgary, um, the meet that I did the year before that, like the, the international meet, was um, the Pan American Championships slash North American Championships. So um, I won that meet, and I think my total was like 863 or something like that. And at that meet, I broke the world record um, deadlift, junior 105, and the world record total, junior 105 as well. Um and I had a lot of momentum, obviously, going into 2018 um, to the World Championships. And I, I was debating between Open and Junior, but I decided to go Junior. Um, and, you know, it was it was good. I won. Um, 
And that, that was a really good meet for me uh, because I won every single gold medal. So all four in um, that meet in Calgary and obviously out to the Opens as well. So maybe I should have won the Open Division. Dude, um, listen, listen <laughs> sorry to cut you off, but had you had known what the fuck was going to happen? And listen, we're going to get into all the politics um, yeah. and then all the back and forth on social media with Taylor Atwood and everyone, USAPL and the whole night. We'll get into all that. We'll fast forward. Don't worry, anybody listening. But had you fucking known what was about to happen to you for the next four years? Holy fuck. You should have went to the open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it was, just, it was just crazy. Um, so that meet went extremely well. And that was basically like, the, the point at which I thought I broke into like mainstream powerlifting and I was like, all right, I'm on the map, Trinidad is on the map. And I, I, in my mind, I envisioned that from there, 2018, 2019, like things would just continue on an upward trend. And between, you know, everything that I guess we're going to discuss, COVID and everything else like that, it just was the actual opposite of that. You know what I mean? No, it was, it was no kidding. And, and so I had you on the podcast back in 2018. And um, you, I remember you going home and seeing pictures of like, you're on television, you're in the newspapers, people are showing up and like, tell me about that. The reception Trinidad and Tobago was, how many people live there for soft? Just for people who don't know enough about Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. So I think the population is like 1.3 million. Um, so it's smaller than most U.S. cities. Yeah, Toronto, uh, man. It's 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 like Toronto's four times bigger than Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in terms of, I guess, geographic size, it's probably much bigger than that even. Um, much bigger than like four times bigger. Um, so it's a pretty small country. Um, like when I came back from that World Championship, there were like three different media outlets at the airport, and I had like. A, <laughs> It was, it was crazy. <laughs> this is like a celebrity coming home. This is like you won the yeah. Olympics. Basically, it, it, it was kind of like that. Um, and yeah, it, it was really good. I got sponsored by um, like a pretty big company here, like the, the oil and gas company here um, that we have and stuff like that. So it was it was big. So, Dude, I remember, um, I remember seeing you at the airport greeted by these like mainstream media. And like yeah. being on mainstream media television shows, the whole line. And I'm like, talk about a beautiful thing for powerlifting in a nation like this. That how, you know, I remember Brett Gibbs coming. And then after Brett Gibbs, New Zealand explodes with popularity. And whatever nation, name your nation. Once you start having stars come from that nation, you could develop that nation into a powerlifting nation or whatever sport it is that star comes from. That's how it works. Yeah. There's, a, there's a direct correlation between when the NBA came to Toronto and then 10 years later, all the 15 year olds that started watching it from Toronto. Now all of a sudden Canada has all these NBA stars. Cause that's how it works. That's how you need stars to emerge. And then all of a sudden mainstream media comes in and Oh, funding. Wow. An oil company funds you. Imagine what I could do for other athletes and powerlifting in Trinidad and Tobago. You just need somebody to fly your flag at the world stage and be like, that's our guy, you know? And, um, and it's 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 a beautiful thing. And you were yes, man. I remember seeing clips of you on television. Man, that's my fucking man's right there. And this is yeah. good for, for powerlifting. And then everyone's like, "Oh my god!" When he enters the open, when he enters the open, oh my god! Because we know you to out totaled everybody in the open. What yeah. happened, brother? 
What happened, brother? So I I so I have not competed um, internationally for Trinidad since that meet, right? Um, I was the last person from Trinidad to do an international IPF sanctioned event. Um, and that was because I like just got in that nomination after like everything sort of like unraveled. Um, in terms of like what that is, so basically there was and like there was an election, right? Like within the federation, and that happened like shortly, I think it was right before the world championships. Um and the election was contested by the old executive and the new executive, and they were claiming that it was constitutional versus unconstitutional. And um, basically, that entire thing went to court. And because it was in court, the IPF decided to take a backseat and say, yo, you know, while this is being sorted out, we really don't want to be, like, involved or picking sides or whatever. So you guys sort that out. And... Um, you know, when it is sorted out, we could actually like move forward with international competition and everything like that. And it it took, I think, probably because of COVID, obviously things weren't like moving at like the speed that things normally would move because all lockdowns and everything like that. Um, but yeah, it took it took years, and it was only literally up to this year that I think the IPF came to like a decision whereby they recognize the federation again and stuff like that. So. Oh my freaking goodness. So when we're talking, this is literally like people talk about, and this is, look at, I'm not saying this is a comparison, but take it with a grain of salt. Let me expand on this. So Muhammad Ali, and I'm not saying you're Muhammad Ali. Okay. But Muhammad <laughs> Ali. Okay. <laughs> like I, Ali's the man, but Muhammad Ali missed like four years of his prime in his twenties yeah. came back. And it was like, and it was due to politics the whole nine as well. And I know it's not the exact same, but the only thing that I'm trying to address in terms of comparison to lose four years of a young athlete's athletic prime is a fucking travesty because the window of our athletic primes are so small. And if you look at powerlifting, just powerlifting period in a four year span, that could have been it brother. You look at 2016 to 2020, it's not the same people. Or you look yeah. at from 2018 to now, how many people won world titles back in 2018? How many of them are still around now killing it? It's It changes over so quickly. So for you to lose that many years of your athletic prime when you were the number one in the world, yeah. and you were the not only the junior world champion, but you had out-totaled everybody in the open, and the open was stacked. And you were at the cusp and could have been in all those different competitions since. And for you to miss out on all of them. And I get it. There was a COVID year in that, but there was still 2019. There's still 2021. There was still, there was still events and you missed all of them due to politics and you being here now, people could take for granted. Well, yeah, he's back now. It it doesn't always work out like that. This could have been a different story, man. That could have been your prime. And well, that was how that's Rondell Hunt story. Really sad. So for you, even after years and years and years of losing your prime years, knowing you eventually made a decision and you reemerged. Now, what went into this? Where did you reemerge and, and catch us up there? Yeah. So the last meet I did was in, well, the first meet since then. And the last meet that I did um, was USAPL. So I did uh, the game day Barbell summer meet. Um, 
So that was on July 23rd. And um, yeah, it, it 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 went pretty well. Obviously, I had like a, a huge PR tutor, but um, since then till now, that's basically all I did. Like, obviously, you can imagine that like I lost a lot of like motivation and sort of like passion towards this sport, just simply not being able to like compete and represent, you know, like my country and just things in general. Um, but when, you know, the whole USAPL, IPF split thing happened, that was obviously like maybe unfortunate for most athletes. But for me, like I, that was obviously like an opportunity for me because to be able to compete in the USAPL without having to be like nominated by any federation was just like, yeah, I'll jump straight at that after, you know, three years of not being able to, to do anything, you know? So, I mean, yeah, years of nothing. Yeah. To say you would lose motivation is to say the least, my brother. How how do you do year after year after year? Like, we're not talking, some people go a year and they're like, oh my God, this is crazy. COVID was crazy. You yeah. had no indication this was ever going to change. After like three years, you start telling yourself, I don't know if this is ever going to happen again. Yeah, not, it, it was crazy because as you said, like um, when I came back from the World Championships, I was the first um, athlete from Trinidad obviously like um win a world championship like that and to set any world record and to be sponsored by any like big company uh, from from like a powerlifting perspective right and um the uptick in the sport late 2018 was insane like we had so many new members so many kids who were interested in in powerlifting because it's like people saw it not just as like a hobby or like something that guys do anymore but like something where like down like even though we're from this small country we could actually like represent on like a, a bigger level you know what i mean mm. um and then going into 2019 when you know people realized that like nominations couldn't be sent and the federation was all over the place everybody started to like fall off um so it's like everyone around me here in trinidad it was just like tough because it's like i went from like having like a training crew of like 10, 12 people to literally it just being me most times. And then sometimes me and my coach, Sanjeev, you know, so like mentally it was, it was rough. Like I, I would, I would always downplay it, but there were times I was like, why do I even lift? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but mostly it was just like, because of that performance and because of how young I was, I always felt like if I had so much more to achieve in the sport, that like I couldn't just not powerlift, you know what I mean? Like, like how could I just waste that when I feel like I could be, you know, probably the best in the world, period, you know? So that's kind of what kept me going and what why I'm still powerlifting today. So is there right now hold on a second? So I mean, I could we could only imagine everybody else, and not only is it you're at the biggest of highs and all the hype on you and, um, and what you would happen for powerlifting period. Like you said, the, the, the sport can have a huge uptick in all the yeah. athletes that would have came on to Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and then to see it dissipate just like that and to see it wash away, you know, and to be like, look at one minute, I'm a world champion and we're on the map. And I, we, we're flying the flag at the world scene and everybody knows Trinidad and Tobago now. And you got to look this way. And everyone's talking about what's next. Oh my God, when Rondell Hunt enters the open. And now you have all these training partners. And then to see it start slipping, 
day after day, week after week, month after month, man, if for politics, you know, yeah. I can't imagine what it'd be like. Did you start thinking like this isn't, you know, I, I guess here's the problem too. You got a gift, man. Not just like what you could do, like physically what you could do for yourself, how strong yeah. you are, but then also what you could do in terms of help shed light on Trinidad and Tobago as a powerlifting nation, as a sport to try to bring people in, et cetera. Um, having a star athlete, there's nothing better, right? And, and, yeah. and bringing in mainstream media, there's nothing better, man. That's how you cast your net for bringing in talent, for bringing in sponsorships, for bringing in all of that. And having that at the world level or Sheffield or anything like that, if these doors were to open, um, you know, in the future, if you could go this route, because in 2020, there was Sheffield and then got canceled, but it's back now. In all of these different events that you could be a part of with Trinidad and Tobago when you're singling, knowing what that could do to like sponsors who are watching. We had sponsors jump on when you were junior world champion. What would happen if you go to the open world championships win and then end up in Sheffield? What would happen to Trinidad Tobago powerlifting and the amount of people that would start lifting again, the amount of sponsors that come on if if everyone rallied behind this? It's huge, man. We've seen it happen with other nations. The blueprint is printed. So when this is starting to go out the window week after week, month after month, you know, eventually yeah i can't hats off to you for waiting three years you know a lot of people would have been like fuck it i'm going man this is crazy yeah and and it's crazy as well because like i got invited um like if you scroll through my instagram you'll see that i posted some invites that i got from like um a couple like wrpf and um like other like untested meets like that and um obviously i was like still a natural athlete but I was leaning towards doing them because at the time, obviously, the USAPL was in the IPF. So the only option that I had was, you know, a meet where I didn't need to be nominated, which was the untested meets. And I was, like, seriously considering doing them. And, like, I think it was, like, 2020, then 2021. I was, like, on the fence because I was, like, the training is going super well. Uh, you know, everything oh. is looking good. And it, it was just, like, such a good opportunity. But, like, I kind of, like, held off because... At that point, it was like, okay, you know, it was only like a year and a half since this stuff happened. Maybe we'll get sorted out. Um, because in reality, like, I feel like I have so much unfinished business in the IPA. Oh, you know fuck, I mean? man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, yeah. So I just, that's really where my heart, um, like, was. And, and for the most part, still is. Um, the, the reason why I say, like, for the most part is just because, like, you know, like, I just don't want to, like, have to fight to represent Trinidad. You know what I mean? Because it's like, if I am going to represent my country, I would want my country to to have me represent them. And that shouldn't mean me having to fight for it. You know what I mean? So, well, I mean, you've you probably got battle fatigue by this point. It's been so yeah. many years. Eventually, you start giving in and be like, fuck, man. You know, you start being like, look it, man. Like, so, so let's catch people up. You did a USAPL meet. After all of this time, and I'm sure you're watching on the sidelines, these people win world titles, um, go to these big events, having all these big moments, and you're just on the fucking sidelines watching. And you know in your heart of hearts how good you are and what you could be doing, and you're letting yeah. it go by. You, you want to be, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the game, be the good guy, and I'm not going to compete. I'm not going to jeopardize. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I could be suspended. And you just sit on the sidelines for years and yeah. watch it go by. And watch these other people get the spotlight that you're like, fuck me, that could be me. 
Like, how, yeah, I, was there ever moments? Tell me some moments where you're watching me. Fuck me, I could be there right now. I remember, um, I think it was 2019, was, um, I think, uh, Emil, I think yeah. he won the one five junior. And I was just like, bro. <laughs> because at the time, obviously, I didn't know that I was not going to lose that year. So I was still training, like, extremely hard. And the numbers that I was at leading into that meet, I was just like, I would have destroyed in the 105 in 2019. And, um, you know, to, to like, to see, like, me not even be able to go there and get an opportunity to, to show what I, I'm capable of, it was just rough. You know what I mean? I like all credit to obviously the athletes who went there and, like, did what they had to do. But, you know, I just wish that, yeah, I could have been there to actually do what I could have done. Um, so 2019 was a big one. Obviously, 2020, I don't think too much happened there. Um, 2021 was was a little bit rough as well. But And that's kind of like after that is when I made the decision. I was like, I'm not going to wait. Because at the time of Wills, I was, <clears throat> I think I was 20 going on 21. Um, and then now I'm 26. So it was like, <clears throat> you know, almost basically five years since then. And is you know, it's like I'm not just gonna like not lift, you know what I mean? So I I took the opportunity a hundred percent. So well here's the thing, man. It's like being it's like having one of the best musicians in the world and taking away his and being like you could play the guitar, you could practice the guitar, but you will never perform in front of anybody. Yeah. You can't share it with anybody, but you could watch everyone else do it or the best, whatever musician, painter, whatever the fuck you could do all this work, but you could never let the world see it, but you could see yeah. other people's and other people can show theirs and other people can be in galleries and have all the respect and adulation they deserve. And, or any, it is, it's so difficult. And for you to tell me, yeah, I was 21. Now I'm 26. Like, yeah. like dog, how much has happened since then for you to be on the sidelines? So then when you decide, all right, man, I'm, I'm going to lift, I'm going to come forward. I'm going to lift. And now for you to possibly be facing suspension, like what is the situation now? Cause it's difficult because you decided to lift when there's still no pathway to lift with the IPF. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. you lift when there's no pathway and you've been waiting years and you were in your early twenties and then your late twenties and you finally lift. And then what yeah. happens? Yeah, so literally three weeks after my competition, um, <clears throat> the TTPF, which is Trinidad and Tobago Powerlifting Federation, they got official correspondence from the IPF, basically like um, confirming that they are members in good standing and confirming that like nominations could be sent. Um, so they basically came to an agreement with the IPF to sort of like move things forward. That was three weeks after I competed. Obviously, if it was the day before I competed, <laughs> I would have reconsidered, but it was three weeks after. Um, because of that, obviously, you know, like, I guess how things are between the IPF and non-IPF affiliated federations. So, for example, um, lifters from powerlifting America can't really be at USAPL meets and, and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, even though I guess you and I could sit here and understand why I competed and you, we could look at the length of time which I waited and everything like that. Um, <clears throat> currently, I am facing a suspension from the TTPF 
because I did a USAPL competition two weeks before things were like official. So to me, it makes no sense. And I think, you know, anyone could see that and, and, and it could be grounds for like, you know, like, of, of course, we would give you an exemption from the suspension. But, you know, I guess they don't necessarily see it like that. Although I have not inquired further into it just yet. So. Dog, okay. Let me say something. For you to wait years, years with nothing, three weeks before you finally step foot on the platform. Three weeks, um, three weeks afterwards, sir. So, so yeah. three weeks before the decision was, was made. So three weeks afterwards, after you step forward, they finally yeah. become recognized again. For them to look back and be like, all right, let's suspend this guy. As, yeah. though, as though you weren't loyal for years for the IPF. As yeah. though you weren't like hanging tight for years, waiting, 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 waiting. And them to be like, yeah, you should have waited three weeks more. When there was always three weeks more for the past four years. For exactly. four years straight, you could have been you've been waiting weeks. There was always yeah. potentially more, potentially next month, potentially next month. You miss it by three weeks, and they'll be like, let's suspend his ass. That yeah. that's crazy to me, man. Especially when, like, look at whatever, like there's always politics involved in all of this. I get it. But if you look past the just the the politics and look past on the personal end of things, if you look at the bigger picture, what it can mean for a federation like Trinidad and Tobago as a federation, if everybody puts aside the feelings and just says, look it, is it huge for us as a federation to have a star athlete like Rondell at the world championships and potentially win in the world championships at the world level? Immensely huge. What would yeah. happen for our federation if that happens? Sponsorships, viewerships, the amount of athletes jumping in, it, we already know it goes up. This isn't a discussion. This isn't a debate. We've seen it time and again all over the world. All that yeah. goes up. What happens if Rondell ends up winning and ends up going to massive events like Sheffield? Now, SBD is pumping out all these videos, etc. Because Sheffield's every year. Worlds are every year. This is what the potential is year after year. And you're included in, in events like that or any other events that could come around. What happens to that federation? We already know. Look what happens to USVI. Look what happens to these federations, man. It blows. Yeah. It blows up and sponsorships come on and, and the amount of athletes that join shoot up. You saw it just with the junior win. Um, yeah. Mainstream media jumps in. If everyone just said what is straight up, what is best for the sport at that level, mm -hmm. there I can't see where it isn't. We need Rondell out there. And then on top yeah. of that to be like, is it fair that we're like, hey, fuck, you know what? Four years my man waited. He did a USC appeal meet. Let's fucking suspend his ass. It's like, what? Yeah. You got to look at if it's you got there's got to be some consideration or at least a discussion on it. Be like, all right, listen, we don't want to give you favoritism, but let's let's talk. Let's go through the motions. There's got to be something. There's got to be yeah. something. Well, that's the thing. It, it, is, is, it won't even be favoritism. Because I think objectively, there's a case to be made as to why I should not be suspended from the most objective standpoint. There should be a, there's a case for it. And then even if you look at, as you said, it being a win-win situation for the Federation and for me, that there's a case to be made there as well. So it's not like if, you know, it's just like, a, I guess, a selfish thing where the benefit is only on my side. The benefit is the Trinidad powerlifting in general. You know what I mean? Um so 
But I, obviously, we were talking about this beforehand, and um, I'm not sure who from Trinidad would listen to this. <laughs> but um, I mean, most likely, I guess most people from the Federation. But I do think that there is like Loki uh, vendetta against me. So I don't know if the current leadership of the Trinidad and Tobago Politics and Federation wants me to be the person who flies the flag of Trinidad for Paulifton. You know? Um I I just I just don't know if that's the case. I can't confirm or like hundred percent deny it, but I just personally skeptical about it. Well put it this way, man. A lot of times you don't get to choose. Yeah. You are the best from Trinidad and Tobago. Sorry, but that's fact. And it's not even close. The the number two guy isn't even in the discussion. That's yeah. okay. It is what it is. And in terms of like, um, you sometimes you got to look at it like, put all personal aside. What can you do if you sit down? Is it sometimes you you sit down at the table with the other person, whether it's them and you, you and them, and or if there's multiple people, I don't freaking know the whole situation. But everyone sits down at the table and is like, what is best for everybody that's win-win? How do we get there? Let's put aside, if it's a, if things are done out of emotion, or out of uh, vendettas or whatever it might be. That's how blockades happen where it's like, you you end up hurting yourself. You know what I yeah. mean? Where it's like, look, how can we blow this up? How can we make this as big as possible? Where like, you know, we're on the world scene, um, sponsorships, viewerships, everything goes, hey, Rondell, will you do commentary? Will you show up at nationals? Will you do, all right, say less. Look at Rondell, you're suspended we could do a lot of good with you. How can we work together to make this fed even bigger? And then they can work. You could work together with ideas, brainstorm and whatever it is, man. But you gotta like, sometimes you got to park it, put it aside. They can't replace you with somebody else. If they're like, someone can fly that flag. I don't think it's Rondell. Well, then it's nobody. Cause I'm looking, I'll wait. How long are we going to wait for the next guy though? We got Rondell right now, ready in the chamber, ready to go. (laughs) Right. This is it. This is fact, man. Um, I don't know, but hopefully this doesn't end up being like, hopefully there can be some, some considerations and be like, look at how do we make this win-win for everybody? Cause it would be absolutely lovely for Trinidad and Tobago to come back in. Isn't, isn't, um, I know Chandler Babb is, is us, but doesn't she also fly the flag of Trinidad and Tobago as well? Doesn't she have that? What's her background? Trinidad? I forget now. I think, I think one or both of her parents are from Trinidad. Okay. Yeah, because she, I, I actually saw on her story, she said she's coming to Trinidad for, for Christmas. So she wants to know, like, where the Paulifton gyms are and stuff like that. So, yeah. Doggy, let's fucking go, man. Imagine they got you guys both. Like, let's yeah. go. You got, like, don't push people away. Bring them in and uh, yeah. work it out and just see what you could do. You know what I mean? Like, grit your teeth in the background. But on the foreground, a lot of good can happen with this. You start bringing in, can you imagine seminars with Rondell Hunt and Chandler Babb? If you win a world title, she's already got two. And you're like, yeah. look at Trinidad and Tobago has two open world champions. You understand what that could be if you're doing seminars, showing up in media together and whatnot. It's That'd huge. Be- you, you got yeah. both sides. You got men's and women's world champions. Come on, yeah. let's go. I'll help. You know what I mean? That, that that would be sick. I I don't know, like, because I, I think exactly like you, whereby it's like, you know, what is the best thing for the sport? Like, how could everybody win? How could we grow the sport in general? Because when we grow the sport in general, everybody benefits. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I 
again, I'm not going to say that maybe people are like unreasonable to that extent. Hopefully we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope for the best on it, to be honest. You never know, man. Look it. Sometimes people, the first reaction, they do, you know, whatever. Okay, we got to suspend them. It is what it is. But then sometimes time people can think about things and be like, how do we work this out? We've had yeah. my man on ice for, for years. He's currently suspended. And sometimes people, you know, you just have to have conversations. Hopefully people could come to the table and have conversations and work something out. Because if it's literally like, let's suspend him another fucking year. What are we talking about here? It, it, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about the current climate now. Now that you're looking at everything. Yeah. Um, everybody's seen what you were thinking, what you were saying in terms like Taylor Atwood. And if you got involved with the IPF, let's talk about both <laughs> pathways. Let's talk about the IPF pathway and the USAP, USAPL pathway. Because right now, let's just pretend both of them are on the table because they both are. We don't know yet. So what happens if you go the IPF pathway? Um, so the IPF pathway, um, I would the next meet I would do would be Trinidad's Nationals, which would be in November. Um, so that's next month, literally. Um <clears throat> and then beyond that, um, Loki, I don't know if people know, but I am like eligible to compete in Sheffield if I am selected for like a wildcard spot. <clears throat> Just because I meet the criteria, um, never had like a drug-related offense. I competed in Wales in 2018. Um, so yeah, I, I meet the criteria and I would be a very wild wildcard. The wildest, doggy. The wildest. <laughs> the, yeah, the wildest wildcard I would be. Um, so I, I would be uh, eligible for that. If I don't do that, then obviously the next stage would be, um, you know, IPF Wills and then possibly like um, North American Championships, Commonwealth, uh, different inside that. So. And then maybe Sheffield after that then. If not, this this one coming this year, the, the year after that, the year after that. And yeah. um, looking at all that, is there anybody in the IPF, what do you think happens if you join the IPF? Does it become the Rondell Hunt era all over again? Um, we, we're talking like um, <clears throat> overall based on IPF points. So we're talking uh, just period. Paint me the picture that you get. Let, let's say this happens. All right. Whoever needs to, here's this podcast. You guys yep. end up going into a table and talking and they're like, listen, my man, let's make this happen. Let's let yep. bygone be bygones. Let's fucking blow up this Fed. Let's blow this up. Let's throw Trinidad and Tobago on the map. Let's fucking yeah. start recruiting, huh? And you go the IPF route. What do you do to the worlds in your weight class and overall in terms of best lifter? And what do you do when after worlds, you end up going to the next Sheffield and showing up? What happens? Yeah, I, I would absolutely destroy <clears throat> 120 kg. Um I think the so my my past meet I competed I, in the two seventy five weight class which was one twenty five but I weighed in sub one twenty so I was um, one nineteen or so um, and my total was nine nine two point five and I missed my last dead um, and I think the total which won was this year was nine twenty or so so that's seventy two kilos and that was a pretty mid performance by me if by my standards so. I unless Dennis Cornelius comes back, I see no like I don't I don't see anyone right now in the one twenty kg division who could possibly like rival what I could do total wise. Um so I would also be looking at like IPF points 
And then obviously, if it is Sheffield, I would be looking at <clears throat> obviously the scoring system with Sheffield based on like the um the open world record total. So um yeah, it would be tough to beat Taylor, but I do think I could beat him. I, I saw his post on IG the other day and um <laughs> But man, man, you got my man all wound up. He's yeah, he was sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he, he was definitely like um you know, I guess it is feelings out because he felt like if people were calling him out when it was completely like, you know, like he hasn't shown his best. And I, I agree with that, but I just look and base that like the numbers specifically and not based on, you know, what I think Taylor can do. And I just think what he would have to do to beat me based on the 120 kg total world record, that'd be insane. And if he does, then all hat, like hats off to him. But I just... I just can't see it personally. You know what I mean? Well, so here's the thing. And like Taylor won't take it like, like he knows. He, he, I mean, he, he'll run his mouth and, and talk, shoot his shit, just like everybody else. So he, game recognized game. Like when Anna was like, when Anna was like, um, I'm going to hit massive totals, break Russ's record and lure him back to the IPF. Taylor, and he said that on the KOTL podcast. Taylor comes on the KOTL podcast and is like, my man, don't worry about Russ. Worry about Taylor Atwood. And he was yeah. like, he he loves it. Taylor jumps in. He takes it as like motivation in a source of okay, good, yeah. all right, bring it then. So yeah. um, so the that's the fire that Taylor needs, which is good. Um, in terms of the numbers for people listening. So first off, for good lift point for well, let's let's first back it up. Let me pull up Dennis Cornelius's. I believe it's. Do you know what the open world record is? I could. Yeah, it. I think it's nine seventy eight point five. Nine so okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is around the late 970s. And so obviously you're well ahead of that. Now, yeah. if it's percentage of um, the world record, like Sheffield is at this year and conceivably next year, let's say it stays the same you know, criteria for winning. Yeah. So it's still percentage. <laughs> let's just use these numbers right now. Let's just, let's just, just for the sake of the discussion, if freaking um, you and Taylor are going to use just those, cur- those criteria going head to head. Yeah. For the sake of discussion, what would you need? What do you think you hit in terms of your numbers? If you, if, and we'll do the percentage of the world record right now. Yeah. I'm looking at by then, to be honest, if I do compete in November, um, which is this USCPL meet, I'm looking at like 1040 plus. But by Sheffield, I think I'll be looking at 1050. Con- uh, not conservatively, but like, Safe numbers where I don't think I'll miss any lifts. So 1050. Okay. And 979.5 is the world record? 978.5. 978.5. So that's 107.3. Is that right? It's 107%. Yeah. Okay. So 107.3. And Taylor, the world record is... So he's hit eight. 38.5. Whoa, hold on a second here. Fat fingers here. Eighth. He's hit 838.5 in the world record. I think it's 790. 790. I think it's 790.5, right? Yeah, I think so. Bam. Slots 106. Doggy. Yep. 106. 
Do you know what so, that means, Playboy? That means it's a new king, huh? <laughs> Is that so what happened? That, so that would mean he would have to best that historical performance, which literally made him the greatest of all time. He would have to best that to beat me. And yes, I think in that situation, he would still beat me on um, on good lift points. Um, but I, <laughs> I just can't see him hitting like an 850 total or whatever. You know what I mean? Holy I don't know if you can see that. I can't see that. It's um, holy fuck. Now, this is a lot of ifs and whatever all the round, right? Yeah. Um, obviously. But yeah, man, if you, if doorways opened up for you, if not this year, next year, or if not, whatever, you know, if yeah. things, who knows the timeline, let's just use our imagination just for the IPF pathway. We'll talk about the USAPL in a minute. Uh, Cause it could go, it could swing either way and we have no idea, but um, yeah. holy shit, dude. Wouldn't that be an absolutely marvelous showdown between you two individuals at the top? Oh man, this is literally like, whoa. And if this was to happen, Rondell, the lead up to that event would be bonkers. And the actual event itself, this is where like, if you want to blow up Trinidad and Tobago powerlifting, dog, jump in that. It's not just Rondell jumping in. It is all Trinidad and Tobago being repped into this battle. That would be absolutely bonkers, man. It would. I mean, I, I can see that. And I would, I would, obviously, I would love to go to Sheffield <laughs> because, uh, to be honest, like, I know we're going to talk about like USAPL stuff and the USAPL is, is, is great. But I just feel like as of right now, maybe things would change over the next couple of years. But as of right now, the pinnacle of tested lifting is still going to be, you know, the IPF. And then obviously, Sheffield, obviously, it hasn't happened yet, but it still seems like that is just the pinnacle of drug tested lifting. You know what I mean? So, well, I mean, it could, I mean, it's the whole world, right? Like, um, yeah. like yeah. you have to contend with like, like freak athletes, people who are legitimately special pop yeah. up all over the world, right? All over the world all the time. So when you have the whole world to draw from, it makes it easier to find these one like outliers as opposed to just one nation. USBL has got tons of amazing lifters. Obviously we'll talk about that one sec. But as years go by, it's just easier to draw from the whole world. Look at you, right? You're from Trinidad and Tobago, man. Like when you are able to draw from the, and if the only thing stopping it, obviously, again, is some politics that usually doesn't affect most other nations. It's tough. It is what it is. But yeah, man, that would be crazy exciting. Um, so let's talk about then the USAPL route. Now, previously, it was kind of you and Ashton because your sizes were a little closer. Yeah. But now when we look at the latest Meganats, um, was there a total over a G? I don't even think there was a total over a thousand kilo. Am I mistaken? No, nah, I think I think I have the heaviest total in the USAPL for the year right now. So you know that it would have to be on points that you would have any kind of battles, which is I mean, that's yeah. crazy, dog. You know, you would literally be the number one that the apex predator of the USAPL. There's you, yeah. and then there's everybody else based off of the oldest formula known to man, kilos. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Based off of the oldest formula, the, the most universally accepted formula, kilos, my man. Um, yeah. That would be that. It, does it entice you 
in terms of um, what's the most enticing part of USAPL? Um, the most enticing part for me would obviously be the battles on dots. So that would be me versus Bob, me versus Ashton, Perk, uh, basically all those guys. I, I'm also just looking at like the dots um, because I, similar to like <clears throat> the IPF, I think the best 125 total in the USAPL besides mine was 940. Um, so it's still like a 50 kilo gap there. Um, so the guy's definitely strong, but it's not like it's going to be like a close battle or anything like that, you know? So Right, right. Um, and how close are those dots? I haven't ran those numbers. If I was to, uh, do you know? Because I could run them right now. Just take a quick peek. Do you want me to pull this up? Um, well, right now, I think I'm ranked seventh on dots in the USAPL. Um, With the 992, I, though. What about your 1050? And this is all hypothetical. I know <laughs> you haven't hit 1050 yet. But let's yeah. just say, just for fun, what would that have gotten you? Do you know? Yeah, that would have. Uh, that would that would actually put me. <clears throat> I think I'd actually be Taylor on that with that. Oh shit! So okay, first off, you know what I like? It's the fact that you already know. So I know you've been at home crunching numbers. Be <laughs> yeah. this is what we do. You you've been waiting in the wings, just crunching numbers and being like, when I come back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now I spent I spent a ton of time on open powerlifting, so. It's just like me comparing myself to people who I would never compete directly against in terms of um, like weight class. I just compare myself to people on dots and IPF points and stuff like that. What, where would that rest you? Because Bob Matthews <laughs> was US Mega Nats uh, best lifter. And Bob Matthews has been on fire lately. Like it is yeah. crazy what Bob Matthews has been able to do. Um, where would that put you against Bob Matthews? Do you know? Yeah, so his dots uh, was 579, I think, at US Nats. Um, <clears throat> in my last meet with the 992, my dots was 570. If I hit my last dead, my dots would have been 585 because I took oh, that 25 kilos. So I, I would have I been at the top with that last deadlift, which was obviously the plan going into the meet. Um, and it wasn't something that I've never pulled before. It's actually something I've pulled like two or three times before. Um, I just didn't execute properly on the day. Um, but yeah, with the, with the 1050, it would put me, what, probably 25, no, 35, yeah, 25 dots clear of Bob right now. But obviously we've seen Bob's training. Um, he's, he's getting up there as well. So it, it would, it would be close regardless, to be honest. So Dude, <laughs> these are some interesting showdowns. Um, obviously, we have to use a calculator for these showdowns, right? But it is yep. what it is. Do you ever see yourself going full send? Because I don't think there's a 120, 125 who's going to be able to compete with you. Maybe if Dennis Cornelius comes back, he was going to come back um, to PA Nats and IPF Worlds, but I, he ended up pulling out again. And now Dennis is in his 40s, so I don't know what injuries he's taken. Um, because yep. things start happening, man. He's been competing forever. So I'm not sure. I, I, I talked to him. It's been a while though. Uh, so maybe I'll touch base with him again, but let's, let's say he doesn't come back. Where would you, would you ever entertain the thought of just going head to head against the big guns, like a Jesus Oliveras, et cetera? Or are they just too damn big? Like how big could you get? Cause you're five eleven, if I remember yeah. Yeah, I'm 5'11", so to be honest, like, 
I, I wouldn't want to get that big. I could probably get up to like 300 pounds. Um, oh. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get that big just because like outside the gym, I, I don't want to just be that big. I don't think it's enjoyable to be that big, me personally. Um, so my plan is actually like, I'm, I haven't told anyone this except like me and my coach. My plan is after this next meet, um, depending on what it is, obviously, if it is like, um you know like trinidad nationals or whatever then i would stay at my body weight and compete 120 but if not actually plan to cut back down to the 110 and compete directly against bob and ashton oh snap so that was that's actually a whole lot more enticing to me um in terms of direct competition that would be free so how much of a because we're talking where's your body weight now if you're 119 previously are you still probably somewhere around there yeah, I'm about like uh, 260 right now, which I think is like 118. So, and 110. So around, but you don't need to drop nine kilo of body weight because you could sweat. Would you sweat some of it out, water load, pee it out, stuff like that? Like, how much body weight would you actually have to lose? Yeah, I'll probably try to get down to like, like um, 113. Um, and then like, I'd probably cut the like water cut like three, three kilos or so. And that's nothing for a guy your size, dude. I was, when I was competing as an 83, I would cut like more than that myself. And I was like a fraction of the size of a dude you are. So yeah, you'll be fine for sure. Um, it's intriguing, man. I don't know which one will be more exciting. You head to head with Bob and Ashton, um, or you at Sheffy trying to unseat the king of powerlifting. In the test division, Taylor Atwood. Those are both. Either way, is blockbuster, isn't it? It it is. Um, so to be honest, like the, the the other thing that is holding me back from just like going full send IPF, which is why um, you know, like I told you, like I haven't even tried to really speak to the TTPF about me getting exempted from the ban. Is the whole I guess like the IPF rules around USAPL and everything like that. Um, because I, I I coach as well, so I go to like a lot of USAPL meets, um, USPA meets, different things like that, and that would obviously be like a pretty big blow to not be able to coach my guys. You know what I mean? So mm. that's that that is like at the back of my mind. It's like if I want to go to Sheffield, I basically have to strictly coach online, and you know I don't know if it's worth the trade off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how all this is going to roll out. I don't know what's going to be actioned, what's not going to be actioned, what 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 the deal is, man. Or, yeah. I mean, if some people are like, who knows? I don't know, man. We, that's the tough part is powerlifting politics, man, which is like one thing. Like, I don't like powerlifting politics. If I could have it yeah, my yeah. way, yeah. I would just put everybody under the same umbrella and all of our talent pool is all together and everybody rumbles. And, and we see what happens and yeah. me, the best man and woman win. And that's the easiest things are changing though. Like, um, you know, I've talked it to death and all the podcasts, yeah. so I'm going deep, but well, I guess. If, uh... <clears throat> Did I pause on your end? Uh, yeah, it broke up for a little bit, but you're good to go. Okay. So what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just saying, I guess if um, the USAPL and the IPF didn't split, then 
this like maybe like the part would be clear because then I wouldn't be banned and obviously everyone would then be in the IPL. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine USAPL didn't split? You're not banned and you're going to rock and roll against all those guys at nationals. And then you rock and roll with everybody else at worlds. And then we see you the following year at Sheffield it can dog. It's like, those are like the good old days back in like 2019, 18, 17. We had no idea. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> now the, the, the division between the USAPL and the IPL feels like it's, it's tough because it, it just like, it separates the talent pool so much because you have mm. so many top guys in the IPF. You have so many top guys in the USAPL. It's just like, you just wish it was, you know, not separated. And here's the thing too. Now we're starting to get further and further apart. Like for instance, when the bench rules came in, um, yeah. it just makes it different. It's just further and further apart. The more they start getting further apart with rules, the more it becomes not even like comparable to compare. Like it starts being like, yeah, but it's like when you do, um, like we're not here yet, but depending on how many more rule changes on both sides, it's like when people start doing things like comparing untested, but they have a deadlift bar, but they have 24 yeah. hour weigh-ins, but they have, um, or like tested in a different, like in the USPA, they have tested, but they have yeah. like deadlift bar, 24 hour weigh-ins, whatever. So, so you can't compare the totals as well. So it's like, um, the more things start changing, the less we can even compare these federations, which makes it very difficult. It makes it like now we're really splitting and it's like, frig, man, I don't think we, we're not big enough to sport the split up. Yeah, I, I agree because, and that's one of the reasons why like my body weight is where it is. Because although I compete, you know, 125, I want to be like sub 120 kilo just for like comparison's sake in my head. Because it's like, I don't want to be, you know, 114 kilo and comparing myself, not, not 114, I don't want to be like 124 and compare myself to someone who's, you know, like 120 or so. Right. Um, it's, just, it's just not going to add up in my head. And then with the bench rules, um, that's tough. And then, you know, if they swap out like bars or if they decide to go to 24 wins, and it's just going to get so divided as to the point where it's like, you, you know, can't compare someone like, uh, Brandon Petrie to like Chance Mitchell, you know, it's just like, yeah, it, we're going to get just, there. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird. Like the bench rule is the first one, but who knows what's coming on both sides. Yeah, exactly. But things start changing. I don't know, man. I don't, it, we'll see what happens. Um, things change so quickly in five years. God knows. But I mean, it is like um, the division definitely hurts. That's why like when we roll back to 2018, boy, did we have no idea. Yeah. If you could pull, if you could pull young Rondell from 2018 after you got off the plane and there's all three different major media sites waiting for you to do interviews and you're all know all these television shows and shit. If you could pull that guy aside and be like, brother, you know what's coming for you? Do you know what's coming for all of us? It is never the same, and it's never gonna be as sweet as it is right now. Yeah, no, I mean, if you asked me back then, I would have told you. Oh yeah, I'd have like you know three, four world championships under my belt right now. <laughs> For I'd sure. Have like, yeah, I'd break like X amount of world records or whatever. Like, it's just, it's crazy, you know. How do you see your future being? You're 26 now. And in powerlifting, look, we talked about Dennis Cornelius. He was um, breaking world records and was the number one 120 like deep into his late 30s, right? 
Yeah. What is your future? Do you think how long do you want to be in the game or what are some of the goals you want? Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I don't necessarily think I want to power lift past 35. Um, so, you know, my thing is really just to like, I guess, compete as much as possible and kind of like dominate till then. I, you know, one of the reasons why it is that, you know, I kind of like leaning towards just sticking with the USAPL at least for, I guess, next year. And then maybe just like serving the 12-month ban and then coming back to the IPF. It's just because I want to get in as many big meets as possible. I'm not necessarily big meets, but as many like, um, I guess, recognized meets. Because if I was to do, let's say, like, I guess, Trinidad Nationals, it's like, that's not like um, like a well-known meet. You know what I mean? It's just like, a, yeah, well, people aren't, Trinidad. Nobody's going to watch the stream for Trinidad Nationals with all due respect. I don't even think there is a stream. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. You know I mean? Not just, yet. There could be if we start working. If we start working together, we could, but it is. Weird. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that hard to have a stream, but like, yeah, so it's just like, I want to, I just feel like if I've lost so much time <laughs> in which I could have been competing and like building up my resume as a lifter, and it's like so many people like know what I'm capable of and know the potential that I have, but I've just not had an opportunity to like, get on the platform regardless of what platform it is and just like showcase that you know what i mean mm. and uh that's that's kind of where my mindset is so dude i 100 i like i get it if i was you i don't know what i would do if it's like i don't know how frustrated i'd be how many years i've sat on the sidelines watching other people get this this attention being like man this my time's gotta come I got to yeah. return and, and, and throw down on a platform and in big competitions, either USAPL mega Nats, or I don't think it's mega Nats anymore. It's just Nats and yeah. um, either USAPL Nats head to head. You, Bob and Ashton would be phenomenal. That would be yeah. a super, super showdown. 100%. Or if it's IPF worlds and Sheffield after that, or however that would shake up, however, it's going to go down, dude. Uh, yeah. I don't blame you. Just, just whatever it is, it is what it is. But hopefully you can maybe even do a little bit of all of it. If it's like, I wonder though, if you get suspended, if it's like from the last USAPL meet. So every time you do a new one, the suspension kicks back. I, I think that's how it goes. I think I would have to ask, but I do think that's how it goes. Um, but yeah, like regardless of what path I take, um, as I was telling you earlier, like because I feel like I have unfinished business in the IPF, I, before I end my powerlifting career, I will return to the IPF. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, like next year, like immediately, or if it would be the following year, the year after that. But I, I do think I still need to win IPF Worlds one well, more time. Dude, the Open uh, Worlds is it. You got to, you have to be an Open World champion. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and think, you, like, sorry, I think that's ahead. one that um, solidifies people as like, like legends in the game. Like if you look at like John Hack, one of the things which he has up his sleeve is, you know, I was an open world champion at the IPF, you know? Well, whenever somebody says like, look, the thing in the untested, um, sometimes you end up in it, like there's less people in the untested. There's less yeah. people um, like on the men's side, certainly the women's side who are going to be using tons of PEDs to get themselves ahead. 
you're more likely to have somebody be like, I'm just going to lift, right? Because there's drawbacks to using PEDs. It, there, there's some dangers health-wise to using PEDs and uh, complications and what can happen to you and your body and the amount of money poured in. So less people are going to be on the untested side. Um, yeah. So when you look at it that way, it is often more difficult, not impossible. We have good showdowns, but it's harder to find the head-to-head showdowns. So for a guy yeah. like John Hack, whom probably would be ahead of the game, depending on your weight class, that can happen in the test as well. I get it. But a guy like yeah. John Hack, if someone's like, man, you haven't had a showdown showdown, we're head to head, same weight class, throw out the calculator, just kilos, head to head. You had to position yourself and work your way through a nine to nine day or eight for nine day and actually do it like that. Like sports where it's like full on game day decisions have to be made. Not just, well, let's just PR all my lists. Like that's a lot easier. If if somebody, when people don't know that it is so much easier to show up and just PR your list and do exhibition lifting, trying to PR, than having a head to head, oh my God, this guy's on my heels. I have to go nine for nine or eight for nine and actually do game day decisions with my coach to win. There's a huge difference. And to your point about John Hack, he's done both. He had that showdown with Brett Gibbs at IPF Worlds and nobody can ever take that. He's done both. Now, now that was the first like meet where I think there was like a hyped up head to head battle, and like everyone was like tuning in to really like see a head to head. I think, well, at least to me, maybe I'm just too young, but I think like that was the start of head to head battles in powerlifting, in my opinion. Okay, well, listen, so I'm gonna my friend Pete Spence always argues with me about, um you know, the big firsts. And he's like, no, we had big battles before 2015 with well, like, re- like in terms of the super heavyweights and, um, you know, whatever, for sure, we've had big battles. But yeah. there's a different, there's a difference, my friend. The John Hack one, I made a post about this. The John Hack, Brett Gibbs battle was the very first time that Instagram and social media was weaponized to actually yeah. hype this battle. I know. Because I took over the IPF Instagram page. I know that the 2015 Worlds did not use the social media to hype it because I was doing it. I took (laughs) it over and said, you guys aren't doing it. Guess what we're going to do for this Worlds? And I went back to back every week. If John Hack did a triple squat, I posted on the IPF page. And then I posted Brett Gibbs triple squat that week as well. Sometimes yeah. I'd even splice the video side by side and hype it being like they're coming. And I was the, yeah. and I know I was the first to start doing this because nobody else was doing it. So leading into the, that world, yes, it was the first, like uh, I, if Pete listens to this, my man, it was 2015. Yeah. It's not to say there wasn't big showdowns. But it wasn't hyped like this because it was the first time social media started becoming weaponized to hype like that. Um, and yeah. I know because I did it with King of the Lifts and the IPF page at the same time because I was running both. And then on yeah. top of that, SBD for the first time ever started taking pictures of them face to face like boxing. But I, I was gonna that, yeah. <laughs> Dog, they were face to face showdowns in a studio taking pictures like a UFC poster or a boxing poster. They didn't do that before. And yeah. SPD is the biggest brand and they were pu- putting it out. It, it was extreme high quality content. And it was like, holy shit, this is a show now. I know that was the first, 
It didn't happen like that before. Oh, by the way, for the first time on the broadcast, and I know it's the first because I was on the broadcast and they told me, Ryan, this is heavily hyped. You've been hyping this on the Instagram for months. SBDs put, dumped this money in and hyped it on theirs. And then obviously King of Lifts, I've been hyping it as well. Yeah. Like for the first time, before we go into this, I want you to do a quick five-minute preview on what this, this matchup is and what it means to powerlifting, why this is so hype. And for the first yeah. time, they turned the camera on me in the booth. And I was on the air. You saw my face. And I said, this is our Muhammad Ali Joe Frazier. This is our Pete Sampras versus Andre Agassi. This is our, yeah. and I went through the sports rivalries. This is what this is. This is what we're about to see. And this, and I gave a big two-minute intro hyping it. And then we threw it to the platform and rock and roll. I know that was the first time that happened because they told me. So when people are listening, yes, man, Hack Gibbs was the first for so yeah. many of these different things. And podcasts weren't that big. And we had podcasts leading into and coming off of. It was, man. It was one of the first big ones. Now, since then, we've had a fuckload. And, and before that, we had showdowns, but we didn't have all the tools that we used. And that, that really changed the game, that one showdown, brother. It was yeah. huge. It was. I, I, I remember watching it as well. And what was great is that, like, the meat itself lived up to the hype. Like, the, oh, yeah. it, it was <laughs> came down to the last pull. So I think that's what made that so like legendary because a lot of times like you have these like hyped up showdowns like for example, um the last one between Russ and um Noriega, and it it was just it was just not great. <laughs> you know I mean? None of so, those ended up panning out. God bless. Look at Noriega. Um, he's a, he moved up to ninety. We'll see what happens. He's a phenomenal lifter, but the hype on the Russ Noriega it didn't end up working out. It is what it yeah. is. Yeah. You're right. The Gibbs was hack. Oh. It was it lived up to Gibbs had the winning deadlift up to his knees, maybe even a little past it. Gibbs pulled for the win, almost yeah. had it, dude. He, he, it was it was um. I remember my co-commentary was Martin Flett and uh, from Scotland, and I remember the openers were in, and we were looking at the openers, and Brett Gibbs, based off the of openers, was well ahead of John. And I remember yeah. Mark after I. All of the hype I'd done months leading into this SPD's hype, King of Lists, IPF, and then the intro I gave. And then as we started, we looked over at the openers. And then I remember Martin passing me a note. And I read the note and it said, look at the openers. And I looked and, and Brett Gibbs' openers were so much higher than John's. And then the next note he passed me was, is this going to be as hyped as you said it was because you really fucking went all in on this? And I yeah. was like, oh my God, I hope it is. Because if it doesn't, like whatever, it's sports. It is what it is. But if if I knew at that moment, if this lives up, then it'll be a huge boom for everybody. If it doesn't, it's going to hurt because people just be like, powerlifting isn't exciting. I told you so. At the time, a lot of people said powerlifting isn't exciting to watch. It's boring. It's fun yeah. to do, but not exciting to watch. And when we went all in hyping it like we did, if it didn't blow up and have a good match, that could yeah. have been, it would have been the other way. With the signal would have went the other way. People are like, yeah, see, that's what I thought. So yeah. you're right. The fact that John broke world records and, and I think 
Brett and Owen Hubbard tossed around the world record in bench. John did the yeah. world record in squat. Then we had the world record in total. Came down to the last deadlift in the deadlifts. It was good all the way through. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was crazy. That that's one of the things. I think that was what that was 2016. 2016, brother. And I remember too, uh Johnny Candido was there, and we brought Johnny Candido into the booth with us for a special yeah. little let's do this. It was yeah. we we everything was special about it, man. Candido yeah. never did um, commentary before or since at IPF Worlds. That was it, dog. Like it was, there were so many specials about it. I can't go, I could go on and on, but that was, dude, that was the very first world championships that I ever commentated. And I don't know if I quite had that since. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think anything could live up to that. Maybe, um, maybe if Sheffield like, like hot ones and I get them, it's like, um, Atwood was Hunt. <laughs> oh, okay, listen, 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 listen. If it ever, yeah, if if the doors opened up and holy smokes, of like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ifs going on with this, with all of this, yeah. obviously. But a holy shit, if I could just snap my fingers and make things happen, yeah, I'd go nuts for that. I would go yeah. nuts for that because um, I would at this point is so far ahead of everybody in every scenario. Uh, that is like the big, that would be, it would be, absolutely insane to think Taylor would have to pull for the win in his last deadlift or no, it would be you obviously pulling after him, but it'd, yeah. be, it'd be totally insane to picture Taylor having to hit his third dead to force your hand. I, I yeah. can't picture Taylor Atwood even telling himself, can you picture Jason Trombley telling Taylor Atwood loading up what they think he needs and being like, you need to hit this last dead to force Rondell's hand. And can you yeah. even imagine Taylor hit Taylor Atwood hitting the platform and like, fuck me, I need to hit this. I can't even do it. It's <laughs> insane to think about. You know what also be insane? If he does like have a meet like what we know he's capable of, that would force me to have like the biggest of an IPF. Yeah. Which would, which would probably be like 410, which is 900. That's insane, dude. <laughs> If you have, if you, that's like Jessica Bittner versus Agatha Shitko. When Agatha forced Jess to load up the biggest deadlift in IPF history uh, for women's in the classic division, yeah. if Taylor did that to you and then you, so Taylor's got to hit his third dead and then you come out with the biggest deadlift in history, period. Yeah. Stop me. Stop me. This is Gibbs <laughs> hack. Stop, dude. It's yeah. enough. No. Look at, I'm a hype man. I can hype the fuck out of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh please powerlifting gods if there is powerlifting gods please man um, i mean I'll, I'll i'll talk to my um i'll talk to my home federation and i'll i'll keep you posted on the on the results of that talk. look at bring them on let's have them on the podcast let's hash it out let's all hash it out let's hop yeah. on zoom and just be like how do we make this happen how do we make this win-win for everybody so everybody's comfortable and everybody wins? It's got to be, man. This got for yeah. the love of the game. Something's happened for the love of the game. I remember, um, like, look at uh, Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather and Dana White absolutely hates the head of Showtime boxing. I forget his name now. I think it's Steve Espinoza. Uh, if I got yeah. that wrong, whatever. But he they hate each other, dude. They think they're, they'll call it's bad news and Mayweather and Dana and everything. It ain't good. And um, they sorted it out because they knew for the love of the game, 
they can have an absolute mega event and everybody wins. And you just be like, we're going to put this aside and make it happen because that's it, man. For the love of the game, we do things, right? And we make history and we make sports moments and we're all involved and it's great and it's beautiful. And um, so who knows what happens? And if not, you know, whatever. We still got you versus Bob versus Ashton, which is still, you know, it's it's a mega showdown as well. And it'll be in the same way class. So uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, I won't be there commentating it, but I'll be watching you Bet your ass I'll be watching that stream, man. Holy smokes, man. That is a mm-hmm. podcast I'd love to have. It's the three you guys on um, before you guys end up clashing. That would be amazing. But, sure. I guess we'll know within uh, within the next five weeks here. Because if I do end up doing the, uh, the Corrupted Classic, then that's kind of like decision is sealed at that point. So Probably. Right. You got to see um, yeah, what can happen if they can get you on the IPF route, then we're looking the IPF route. And then once you're on the IPF route, whatever happens, happens after that. Um, yeah, and, and and you're just like everybody else sitting, waiting for announcements. Everybody in the world is waiting for possible Sheffield wild cards. There's like, it's whatever, or you have to win worlds and go through the next year. I mean, it's, there's just whatever it opens up. All those things open up for you. Um, and, and the, the, good thing about Sheffield is like the wild card idea was a very good idea because it makes everybody wait for announcement. Like, who knows? Who knows yeah. in the world? Like Penn is in France. You know, gives it me. Ray Williams and Jesus are both like, are we going to clash? Are we going to do this? Are we going to finally yeah. do this? Who knows? You don't know. Michael Davis in the US is like, I'd like another run at a mill. Thank you very much. I would like to bring me back and let's rock and roll. Like, you, you don't know. So it actually, they did a good job on like, let's sit back and let's freaking uh, let's, let's see how things shake up and who knows, right? It, it creates the intrigue and conversation. Do, do you know when they plan to announce the wildcards? Uh, when they are, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not okay. sure. Um, Cause I don't know if they're, they also are like, I mean, there's so many moving pieces, right? It, it's not until March, but on the flip side, the amount of work SBD is doing in terms of promotional for Sheffield is insane. Yeah. They're dropping so much into this. The amount of dollars in, in work hours is insane. And um, yeah. so I know they're going to want to, they're going to have to start by a certain point. But having yeah. said that, they don't have to start on the promotional videos. It's going to be the videos, soundbite, studio work that takes work to put together. But they could do all of the people they already know that are going now or relatively shortly, like the people who are world champions hit 95%. Those are already locks unless someone declines, which is really hard for me to wrap my head around someone declining. But if someone does for whatever reason, um, you know, you could sort that out relatively soon so they could work on those media content first and keep the wild cards till near the end, because it probably helps them anyways, because you, Having that discussion still lingering is not is only good for them. Look what we're yeah. doing right now. What we're doing right now is what people are doing everywhere. Just pondering, what if this? What if that? What if that's good? That makes people talk about their event constantly. Did you hear? Holy fuck, can you imagine if Rondell yeah. could go the IPF route? Can you imagine? Or what if this happened? Like, what if Anatoly got out of Ukraine? Oh, yeah. shit. What if Anatoly's back? Can you imagine they're working on that right now? I don't know. Maybe they are. This is like those what if talks. Um, yeah. You don't want to kill those what if talks 
You want that to happen as long as possible if I'm SPD. So they're probably yeah. like, let's let this continue until. And then when they drop a big bombshell, here's one of your wild cards. We're going to hold off on the other four. Here's a, well, I mean, there's guys and girls. Here's, you know what I mean? You, you drop them piece by piece. That's probably the best way so that you never lose momentum and there's always discussion and big announcements and whatever. But we'll yeah. see, man. We'll see, man. None of us know for sure. SPD probably doesn't even know for sure. They're like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know, whatever. You just got to, they, for a lot, they have to sit back and watch how things happen and stuff as well, right? Like there's competitions happening. Uh, the Arnold UK girl power is happening with like Jessica Bittner, Heather Connor, and Heather probably wants to make a statement to possibly get a wild card. Uh, European Championships is coming up. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and all of us, all of a sudden, Trinidad and Tobago Nationals could be extremely important. <laughs> look at, look at yeah. you were saying you was like if nobody was gonna watch Trinidad and Tobago Nationals. I tell you what, brother, if you're there and there's potential, who knows who's gonna be paying attention then, man? Who like you know, it becomes extremely important? Who knows, man? Yeah. If, if know. there's if there's the live stream, I'll just have to go live on uh, on Instagram instead. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. And that's what you prove your worth too. If they're like, you're in, you're like, okay, say less. I'll do my best to like bump this as much as possible and do my part. Not just for myself, but for other athletes as well there. And like to bring attention, I'll do my best. Yeah. I'll do my best, man. We'll, we'll get it going. Um, yeah. Who knows, man? It's exciting. I, I, huh? We'll see, to be honest. Yeah, I, uh, I hope. So, and you also do some coaching. What are some of your athletes that you've been working with? Um, sorry, go ahead. I coach, oh. Who's that? Sorry, I coach Jamal. He is probably like the most well known guy that I coach. Um, Browner, yeah, holy, did I know that? I'm wondering if I already had known that. Damn, man, dude, he's absolutely murdering right now. Yeah, <laughs> how long have you been coaching Jamal? He was he was our second client that signed up with us. So that was since 2019. That's two and a half years. Damn. And that's a yeah. very productive two and a half years, young man. Because Jamal yeah. has been murdering right now. Yeah. I the the eleven hundred, uh the five hundred kg deadlift. I filmed that video. That was me. No that, shit. Who <laughs> just went like went crazy at the end? That was me, yeah. Oh, I was, uh, I was my, yeah. You made a cameo. Yeah. That, <laughs> dude, that's crazy. Um, at some point, I got to get Jamal on the podcast. Maybe I could have you both on at the same time. Yeah, for sure. We can, what's we what's he been doing? In terms of like what? Like what's his, what's up to, what's his next competition? What's his next like goals and stuff? Because I know we competed obviously not very long ago and he, he ended up hitting 500 in the, in the, in the gym. Um, do you think we're going to see like wh what's coming up next on the horizon for Jamal and what's, what's well, it, it's like, he's just trying to obviously just get better. So obviously he um, broke the all time world record. 242 uh, world record, and he bumped it up from, I think it was 1002.5, and he bumped that up to 1050.5, I think it was, something like that. Um, so that was like a 50 kg, like he broke the world record by that. And the goal is just to get better, try and inch closer to like maybe like a 1100 um, kg total. 
So, and I think he's, he's definitely capable of it because I think his squat was um, 370, bench was four. I think it was 427.5, sorry, two, two, 227.5 and the deadlift was obviously the 455, which is the 1,000 pounds. Um, so, yeah, the goal is just to increase those and I think his next meet will probably be early next year, maybe like February, March or something like that. Because he did the USPA Pro uh, just yeah. like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and then he turned around and hit that 500 kilo in the gym. Do you think it's possible? Because that's a big jump, 455 to 500 kilo. Now there's factors. Obviously, he yeah. didn't have to max out on bench, didn't have to max out on squat. Um, yeah. I think he had straps when he did the 500 in the gym. So there's, there's other factors. I get it. But yeah. do you think it's possible that if he did a token squat, token bench, he could do an official 500 kilo on the platform? At this next meet? Not the next meet, but just like, in the foreseeable future, 2023, 2024, foreseeable future. Yeah, I think I think it's possible in 2024. Like the goal, like before he's just been like chasing the 45, 45. So the fact that he checked that off in a meet, I know it's like a huge mental like um barriers broken for him. So the goal now is just to build on it slowly. So I, I don't think he's gonna attempt 500 kg in a meet anytime soon. Maybe like 2024, but up until the, um, then, it's just going to be to like get closer. So maybe like, you know, 465, 480, um, 490, and eventually get closer to the 500, to the point where it happens more naturally as opposed to just like attempting it when it's, it's not really there. So, what do you think about him doing not even a token squat, token bench, but actually just doing a, be- a deadlift only, which they have deadlift onlys? And in attempting that 500 kilo there, or, I mean, what's the strongman world record right now? What if he did that in a powerlifting meet deadlift only where there's no straps, but he's loud sumo. So while they would be like, well, he's pulling sumo, he would be like, yeah, but I'm doing it raw with no straps. Yeah. I think his, his next goal. Um, I think they actually invited him to giants live. (sighs) But he would have to do that conventional. They don't let you do sumo. I know his best conventional is 950. I don't know how much. Oh, 950? It- That's a dude. That, that, shit. Did I know that? See, I see so much powerlifting, so much lifting, uh, period. Not just the actual official events, but let me take yeah. a look at what 950 is in terms of kilos. That's 832 range. So, okay. Or 432 range. Sorry. Yeah. So, okay, man. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be in the mix. And, and that's, and then he's put on straps in a deadlift suit. Yeah. And he hasn't, he, that was, he trained conventional for two blocks. So that was eight weeks of conventional training to build up to that. So I think he has potential to go like easily over a thousand conventional if we do it for like 16, 24 weeks. So Fuck. with straps and a suit too. If he trains, I know he trains with straps, but if he trains yeah. with a suit on, because you're allowed a suit. Right. Yeah. I mean, he. I think he might do Rodo just like <laughs> because just, he, at the end of the day, he is a powerlifter. So it's like it, to go that far out of your like realm. I think he might just do straps and, and roll. But obviously, it's up to him. You know. Dog. They got. They got a lot. They got deadlift suits and powerlifting. You just hurt a lot of people by saying that. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> don't. Don't I, get. Don't blow up my DMs now. 
that okay that slipped my mind completely <laughs> <laughs> listen when i talk about a quick powerlifting like that uh, my dms get blown up so be careful be easy now anyone listening i stuck up for you guys i i i equip powerlifting is great but i don't think about it that much it's not on the forefront it, of your mind yeah your athletes aren't you don't have any equipped athletes no, I, I wouldn't take on an equipped athlete because I'm not uh, experienced with equipped. So I mean, that's fair, man. It, it's, a, it's a whole other ballgame. For you to take on an equipped athlete, if you aren't experienced at all with it, getting them ready in like a squat suit, bench shirt, and what weight they should be using and, and rep range yeah. is entirely different. It'd be like, man, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but it'd be easier to get Jamal into a deadlift suit. I don't think it's as crazy different. Just deadlift only. Yeah, I, don't know. I think, think about it. Think I, about it. I think what suit and the bench suit is like way more aggressive than just the deadlift suit. I don't think a deadlift suit is that is that intense, to be honest. Uh, it's put it this way: if Jamal puts on a deadlift suit and it gives him ten kilo, just ten, which is nothing. I think I think you could probably get more. Let's say it only gives you yeah. ten kilo. That could be the difference from bowing out because you know you know in strongman it's a rising bar yeah um it's not three lifts it's like the rising bar for anyone listening who doesn't know giants live the world championship deadlift with strongman um you're allowed straps you're allowed a deadlift suit you can ramp or or hinge or however you want to call it you could rest the weight on your legs a little bit and yeah. um it's a rising bar which is interesting it's very entertaining so you set the bar and i forget the jumps in weight uh, but it, you it, you don't get to have an intermediate jump in weight. It's either like it just cuts people off as the jump as it gets higher and higher. We jump like say twenty five kilo, and then another yeah. twenty five kilo, then another twenty five kilo, and eventually you only have one guy or maybe two. One year they had two people. Um, so, anyways, the deadlift suit could be the difference between if he gets ten kilo out of that deadlift suit. Let's say the jump is twenty five kilos. He's got. 15 kilos of raw power strength, that deadlift suit might save him, man. Think about it. Just think about it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it could it could be. Um, I also coach, at, you maybe know him, uh, Liam Newell. Yes, I do. Yeah, I also coach him as well. So there's a lot of um, great, great deadlifters on the team. So. Well, dude, you're the deadlift lord, right? I, apparently, <laughs> apparently, I mean, it is. Uh, it makes sense that you'd have these deadlift monsters on your roster. We'll have to see. Did I freeze on your end, sir? You froze on my end. Okay, we had a quick pause there. Um, so I wanted to, uh, first off, give you an opportunity to give a shout out to, to any sponsors you wanted to, as well as let people know how they can, they can approach you for coaching if they want to coach. Yeah. Um, so I'm literally not sponsored by any company. Um, I usually... I'm extremely selective when it comes to like um, being sponsored and stuff like that. But I do want to shout out SPD because they send me gear all the time. I love their gear. And um, they've just been extremely like hospitable and stuff like that. So shout out to, to SPD for sure. Um, and then in terms of coaching, <clears throat> um, you could always go to um, our website, which is strengthstudiott.com. And, um, you know, you check out the services and fill out that form if you're interested in, uh, in coaching. It is what it is. And if any of these power lifters, and we're going to leave on this note, 
any of these power lifters are listening, whether it's USEPL or IPF, what's your message to them? I think the main message is that I think people forgot who Ronda Hunt was. And um, I think over this next year here, people are going to be reminded um, of who Ronda Hunt is. You almost have forgot. <laughs> time, time, time to bring her back if they got amnesia. Thank you, my man. I appreciate you. Um, hopefully, I see you in person at some of these events, but no matter what, I'm going to be watching and we'll keep in touch. We're going to do this again, okay? Of course. Good luck, buddy. I got your back. We'll talk in the DMs. All right, man. Take care. See you, man.